So, there was this one time where Jesus was hanging out with his disciples and he was teaching. And he went to this house and he started teaching people. And the crowds got so big after a little while. And people couldn't even get into the house anymore. He was packed out front to back, out the front door. People are standing around trying to crowd in. And and nobody can get in to be able to see Jesus. People are just literally packing in. It's like in those concerts, you know, where people are like wedged up against the front row trying to get in to see Jesus. And these guys come and they, they want their buddy to get to meet Jesus, but they can't get in. So believe it or not, they, they find a way to climb up on the roof and they begin to tear through the roof, thinking that if we can tear through this roof, we, we could get our friend down to meet Jesus. It's in, this, in uh, the book of Luke, chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. And I want to read this for you just to start. It says this, One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all uh, Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, Your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew that that's what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. Man, this is what we like to call, and what the series is called, it's a woman. I mean, it is a woman. This situation happens, and the people who are there, I mean, hardly can put words to the situation. Like they say, we have seen amazing things today. Everyone in the audience just collectively kind of went, whoa. All of a sudden, Jesus is like, what, you think that I can't tell this man his sins are forgiven? Well, here, how about this? Pick up your mat and go home. And the guy stands up and grabs his stuff and walks out. Everyone's just like, whoa. Okay, yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy. I think it's a terrific story. It's a hilarious one. Jesus is teaching. All of a sudden, the roof starts caving in. It's just hilarious all the way through. But this is a moment, a moment where the only reaction was woe. And that's what this whole series is about, is that in the, in the first few books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where there are these stories about Jesus, that in each one of these, we just find story after story after story of these moments with Jesus. These amazing moments in which people like just walk away absolutely changed, stunned, shocked, awestruck. Now, you guys don't seem that shocked. Whoa, I didn't hear anything. I want to keep on trying to get you guys to do this. So, so let's, let's play like creative thinking time, okay? So all of us, we're going to connect together and we're going to do this, okay? So let's imagine that this is the, this is the meeting, okay? And Jesus is standing in my place, and he's teaching, and you guys are here. But we'll just put it in, like, nowadays, today's terminology, as if we're sitting here right now, and Jesus is teaching. But then all of a sudden, as, you know, he's teaching here to you guys, and you're sitting here, you just start hearing kind of like a thud off to the side, like this boom, boom, boom. 
You're like, what, what is that? And boom, boom, boom. What is going on, right? And all of a sudden, you just see there's a door right back here that you guys don't know about. It's a secret trap door back over there. Not really, it's just another exit. But you hear these doors open, and all of a sudden, these first responders walk in with a man on a backboard. And they walk in and they say, he was just in an accident, he broke his neck, he's paralyzed. And Jesus says, oh, your sins are forgiven. And people are thinking, okay, that's kind of weird. But then Jesus goes, you know what, actually, here. And he touches the man and he says, get up and go home. The guy gets up off the backboard, takes his neck collar off, grabs the backboard from the guy, says, thanks a lot, I really appreciate you guys helping me out. And he just walks out the back door. Right? Everyone would stop for a second and be like, okay, whoa. We have seen amazing things tonight, right? You would stop all of a sudden. My guess is probably by the end of the night, you'd be sharing on Facebook or Twitter, or you'd be telling somebody, right? So we were here. These dudes come in with this guy who had a broken neck, and all of a sudden, he just got up and walked out. Whoa. Man, that was just, man, it blew our minds. That's the scenario that we see in this, man. These people are here, and they're just hanging out. Jesus is teaching them, and all of a sudden, this guy gets lowered down to the roof. And I think it's hilarious. I wonder whose house is this? Is there not some guy who's like, what are you doing to my roof? Like all of a sudden the stuff starts falling in, right? And this guy gets lowered down in front of him. But then Jesus touches him. He says, you know, your sins are forgiven. Get up, take your stuff, and walk. Man, man. These men who came and brought this guy, they heard good things about Jesus. They heard that people who met Jesus were changed forever. And they decided they weren't going to let anything stand in their way. They brought him there, and man, the overcoming reaction both in that man's life, it says he went away praising Jesus for the disciples right there who worked with Jesus, the people who were in the crowds. Man, it was whoa. We have seen some amazing things today. Unfortunately on this earth, every one of us, me included, and we experience these, these physical ailments, these physical afflictions like this man did. I'm in the middle of one right now. If you guys normally come here, you can tell my voice is not the same as it normally is, is it? It's completely different. Completely different. The last two days have been harsh. I do have strep throat. Do not kiss me after service. (laughs) You don't want any part of this, okay? But not just the the day-to-day sickness, but I've dealt with the the long-term sickness. Um... I haven't dealt with it as much in my own physical body, but in my family I have. Just this last November, I lost my grandma to lung cancer. And we walked through that that journey as a physical body begins to fail, and it begins to deteriorate and no longer work correctly. And you watch somebody walk through those last days of struggling to maintain this body here on this earth. And all of us have dealt with these physical afflictions on earth in some way or another. Either you have personally whether it's something like chronic pain or some other situation that you've experienced in your body, or certainly in our families you've experienced this. It could be somebody who's, a, who's an older relative, mom or dad or grandpa, and you watch them go through this time frame in which their, their body began to fail, and you had to walk through this really, really difficult time frame in your life. Of course, the most common one, and I would guess if we took a quick poll, cancer. Probably real quick, if we just take a quick poll, how many people have been affected by cancer in some way, either in your body or by people you love in your life? Real quick, hands? Exactly. Almost every person can say, yeah, I've, I've had to walk that road and watch as people, as people pass away and struggle and fight through this. 
If we're a faith-filled person, man, we hope for a moment. A lot of times when we walk through these, I can tell you walking with my grandmother, you, you pray and you hope for a, a woman and you'd be willing to tear the, tear the roof off of some place to be able to get to this woman. I know that even in a church our size, even in a service this size, and if you look at our church over the two services this weekend, there are people inside of our church who are walking this right now in their life. This isn't a past thing. This is today, either in your own body or in your family's bodies, where you're walking through this, this hard scenario of sickness and this body is failing and not working correctly and it is really, really difficult to walk through. I really do believe that if we take a look at this verse, I think that there's, there's clarity and there's, there's hope and there's, there's truth for us to find in about this situation. It's something that every single one of us walk through. And I believe that in this, Jesus reveals some stuff. So I want to pinpoint a couple quick things for you. And I want to give you one thing that I want you to carry away from here tonight that hopefully will, will help you whether you're in the situation now or you're going to come to the situation later on. So if you guys have your Bibles, you want to turn to Luke 5. You can, or you can follow along with me on these screens up here. But as we kind of did last week as we're looking through this, these stories, I kind of want to go through this kind of verse by verse and talk to you about it about what I see in it and what I believe that we can take from it. Because I believe that these words penned by Luke, man, thousands of years ago, they have truth that could be quickly applied to our lives. So let's read the story one more time, piece by piece. Verses 17 through 19. It says, One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. Now these people were the people who hated Jesus. They were watching, waiting, hoping that he would fail. And it's funny, they follow, follow him around everywhere he goes. It says the Lord's, healing was power, excuse me, the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. And it says, Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down to the crowd right in front of Jesus. Man, when I look at this, the beginning of the story, I can tell you that immediately when I, when I read this story, it brings conviction in my life. Because I realize, that, um, I realize that there's people that I need to be bringing to Jesus. And man, how, how easy do we give up? How easy do we give up when we're, we know somebody needs to meet Jesus? We know somebody needs to get to Jesus like these men did. They think, if he can meet Jesus, I know his life can be different. And they begin walking down that path, but then... You notice, I mean, there's going to be things that stand in our way. They could have easily turned around and walked away and said, you know what, there's no room. But then they find a way around it, and they think, maybe we can go in a back door. Maybe we can go in another way. And you know what, maybe we'll just have to dig through the roof. And they do that to get this man to Jesus. It immediately brings conviction to me, and I don't know about you guys, but I think about the people who I know need, they need a moment, they need a moment with Jesus to be able to change their life. It makes me think, man, would I have had the confidence to dig through that roof. It challenges me. Verse 20 goes on to say then, Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. I think this is funny because what we would immediately say is, Okay, now wait a second. That's awesome, but what are we expecting Jesus to say to this man? I mean, they bring this paralyzed man, they drop him in front of him. What do we expect Jesus' response to him to be? You're healed, right? We're expecting, they're bringing this paralyzed man there. He's going to touch him. The man's going to be healed and he's going to get up and walk. But you notice that's not what Jesus starts with. He says, young man, your, your sins are forgiven. 
It's funny because we're, we're shocked by this. But this is the reality of the fact that Jesus understands what's truly important. I can give this man legs to stand on for a few more years, but if those legs just lead him to destruction, what's the point? I mean, is it really loving for us to change somebody's flat tire if they're on the path of driving off of a cliff? Does that really look like love? And that's this man, he shows up, and I'm sure he wants to be healed, but Jesus says, no, your, your sins are forgiven. I think maybe everyone is kind of shocked, right? I would think that he would want to heal him. Jesus realizes that uh, legs to stand on on this earth aren't nearly as important as legs to stand on in eternity. He, got the, he had the priorities straight. And as it goes on, we kind of get to see the real picture of why this happens and how it happens. And this is what I want us to grasp as we move forward from this and what I want us to do because I think most of us don't really get this. I don't think I was ever taught this. I don't think I ever really understood this about when we deal with things like healing. Verses 21 through 26, this is what it says. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, Why, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. It's cool, that last part where it says the people were gripped with great wonder and awe. It's the exact same word in the Greek as what we dealt with last week when the guy said, who is this man named Jesus? The feeling that came over them, it's that feeling of, of awesome fear where you almost step back and are like, whoa, right? Jesus says to him, you're healed. Stand up and walk. But do you notice, why does Jesus, why does Jesus heal him? It's funny because Jesus doesn't heal this man until these people look at him and say, who are you to say his sins are forgiven? And he said, well, if you don't believe that I could forgive sins, I, I bet you wouldn't think that I could do this. And he literally says in this verse, I think this is really, really telling, and we need to think about this. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus says, why did I heal this person? So that you would believe I have the authority. Jesus gave an interesting explanation of why he heals this man. And this is the reality that comes from it, the thing that I want you to, to remember, the thing I want you to tweet, the thing I want you to grab a hold of, and what I'm going to talk about for the next few minutes. I wholeheartedly believe that our physical afflictions exist that we might see God's greatness. Our physical afflictions exist that we might see God's greatness. Jesus says it in this. He says, I'm going to heal this man. And he says, why am I going to heal this man? So that you will believe that the Son of Man has power. Think about it, okay? It says after this, the immediate reaction to people in verse 26, everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe and they praised God exclaiming, we've never, we have seen amazing things today. It immediately brings glory and greatness to God in reaction. These people say, apparently this guy does have power. The people who are watching say, this guy is amazing. Apparently he does have power to be able to do that. Jesus demonstrates when he does this that there is nothing that is beyond his power that healing think about it, is less about the person being healed 
and more about the person doing the healing. I mean, we know that, right? I mean, if, if somebody gets in a terrible accident and if they get rushed into emergency surgery, life or death, critical, and a surgeon does this amazing operation, three hours worth of crazy surgery, and they walk out and he says, he's going to be okay. You don't take and praise the person who laid on the mat, do you? And say, wow, good work, man. You made it. No, you look at the surgeon and you say, wow, amazing work. You saved that man's life. We see the fact that healing is actually more about the person who does the healing than the person that's healed. We know this. We see in these first four books of the New Testament, as we walk with Jesus, that there was absolutely no form of sickness that stood in his way. Time after time after time, we see his miraculous power as he engages with people. No less than 20 different times captured in the books that we see him engage with this. And even at some times, it was multiple people. We know for a fact that Jesus healed 12 different people who were leprous, who had leprosy, which at the time was one of the worst sicknesses you could have. No possible cure at the time. Some sort of comparison would kind of be like what the AIDS epidemic was just a few years ago, where there was like no hope on the horizon. And Jesus was healing these people that even science said, nothing we can do. Nine different people who were blind, Jesus touched and they began to see. A man who was paralyzed, as we just read in the story. A woman with an extreme fever that was leading to her death. A man with a withered hand that was immediately given new life and strength. A woman who was hemorrhaging and bleeding for years and years of her life. A man who had his ear severed and cut off and Jesus reattached it. A man who was deaf and mute and Jesus opened his his mouth and opened his ears. These were moments and they were captured, written down by these men as they walked with them because every time they would see them, they would just take a step back and say, whoa. All of a sudden, Jesus is touched this man and he jumped up and he says I can see there's story after story about men who do this who the other people who in the in the area the, the leaders of the town would bring him in and say how did this happen to you and they would try to give an account and they would say who did it and they would just say I don't it's just this Jesus guy man he touched my eyes and all of a sudden I could see and people would would have arguments with him about how it's possible and they'd say I don't even know how it's possible but this man named Jesus I mean, just this, this moment happened in which I didn't expect it, didn't see it coming, and he healed me. People at this time especially, they figured that if you had something wrong with you, it was because you were a sinner. It was because you had done something wrong or your parents had done something wrong, and God was cursing you and punishing you. We see this in John 9, 1 through 3. Jesus is walking with his disciples, and this is what it says. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. Jesus goes to this man and he heals him and gives him sight. It's not this man's fault or it's not his, his mom's fault. He says, in fact, the reason why this man is blind is so that he could experience the greatness of God. That's why he's blind, because he's going to get to see this miracle. That's why he's blind, because you're going to get to see this miracle. I'm telling you that if you are dealing with a a physical sickness, or your family is, that is not God punishing you for something. That is terrible teaching. Terrible teaching. There's times in which this broken world around us, 
man, it'll get on us and sometimes we'll, we'll catch things from this world or there's bad things that happen to us and that's part of being in this broken world. God is not giving you some sickness or some person in your family some sickness as some sort of punishment for your sins. Not at all. Our physical afflictions exist that we might see God's greatness. That we might see his greatness. He talks about this again in, in John 11 as Jesus is going through. He has this, these people who are really like his closest friends outside of his disciples. And it was these, these women and this man named Lazarus. And they come and they say, man, you're, you're one of your best friends, Lazarus. He is terribly sick. Terribly sick, Jesus. Could you come and could you heal him? And Jesus says, yeah, I'll be there and I'm going to heal him. But then Jesus kind of drags his feet. We see this in John 11, verse 4. It says, but when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God. And glory is another thing we can just transpose with greatness. That's why I'm saying that. Glory, the greatness of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. And we're going to jump down to verse 11. And this is a, a little bit later. It's already been a couple days. Jesus waited. And then he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. And the disciples said, Lord, well, if he's sleeping, he'll soon be better. I love because the disciples are just like Barney Fife all the time. Who like, don't get it at all. Well, if he's sleeping, just let him sleep, God. He'll be better before you know it, right? They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So I love it. Verse 14. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes... I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Man, at the very beginning when he says Lazarus' sickness will not end in death, it happens so that people will see the glory of God. When he waits a little bit and they say, what are we going to do? He says, we're going to go back and we're going to see Lazarus. And the reason why I waited so long was that you would see and you would say that this son of God has power. That's why the waiting happened. I want to tell you that in your life, the physical afflictions that happen to you, to your family members, the people that you love, they exist so that you might see God's greatness. In every area, from the smallest thing, like someone like me, dealing with sickness right now in my body, to the, man, the hardest situation, a loved one dealing with cancer, watching them pass away. That physical affliction, affliction exists so that you will see God's greatness. Now, how? How? The first way is that you might, see, you might see a miracle. You might see an opportunity where God will do a miraculous healing in someone's life. Where God will heal somebody, will take away sickness. Man, will, will remove something that doctors say is impossible. And I've seen that in my life, in people's lives. In which you stand back and you simply say, whoa. It immediately builds your faith. It immediately builds your love for Jesus. And you see this miracle and God's greatness becomes so much more grand in your heart and in your mind. It builds others' hope in Jesus. It, it spreads his word to people who don't even believe yet and say, I understand that, that maybe I don't even believe in Jesus, but that's a miracle. We might see a miracle, but, but very often, and I don't know why, and really none of us do, you don't see the miracle. And you get to be the miracle. See, we experience God's greatness through our physical afflictions, either in that we see a miracle or that we be the miracle. At times, you may not see Jesus heal. At times, you may not see Jesus take away the pain and take away the sickness. 
At times, God does not heal immediately as we ask him to, and it is difficult to understand, and there's nothing wrong with having times in which you look at God and say, I just don't get it. But those are opportunities to be the miracle. Paul writes about his own life in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 12, 7-10, he's talking about all the grandeur that God had given in his life, the fact that Paul had done so much. And he says, So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. And three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, and each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. People have speculated for years and years. Smart men have speculated at what was Paul's thorn in the flesh. And we never know. The Bible doesn't tell us. And that probably means we're not supposed to know 100%. But it was something that afflicted him and kept him from doing everything he wanted to. And time and time again, he asked God, would you take it away? And God said, no. No, because actually... My power is revealed when you're weak. My greatness is revealed when you don't have the strength to go and do something, and yet you somehow miraculously still do it. My power is revealed at times where even though you feel like this thing is holding you down, or you asked and you beg God, and you think, I'm doing good things for God, why wouldn't he give me this? That it doesn't come in your life, but you say, I refuse to turn my back on God. There's a story in Acts 12. And we can just read over stories. Very beginning of Acts 12. It tells the story of Peter in which he was arrested by people who were going to murder him. And in the night, God sent an angel to miraculously open the door of the gates and lead him out. And that was a miracle that saved him from death. People saw the miracle and rejoiced. And in the exact same chapter... The disciple named James was captured by the same people and he was murdered. Same people, same situation. And God chose not to open the gates. Tradition says he got his head cut off for it. I say that we see God's greatness in a moment where Peter was sprung from Sprung from certain death. And we see God's greatness in a man like James walking confidently to his death. Refusing to turn his back on the Savior he believed in. We see Peter, Peter seeing a miracle. We see James being a miracle. To walk confidently forward and say whether or not God decides to remove me from this pain, to remove me from this death, I choose to serve him. Both afflictions. Both afflictions reveal God's greatness. I've seen people healed from sickness. I've seen people who have things that the doctors say there's nothing that can be done, and I've seen miraculous healings. And it built faith in me. Man, it made me see God's greatness and think, what a great God we serve. And I've watched people who are faithful walk to the very last day and pass away and leave this earth. And I see God's greatness in that too. I see God's greatness in people who say, I love my Lord, and if he doesn't choose to extend my day, extend my life even one more day, I walk confidently to my death. And I've seen people who struggle with things like cancer and that. And at the end, they're not fearful, but they're, they're courageous. 
saying, I know when my day comes that I'm going to meet my Savior. Man, that affliction, it reveals God's greatness just as much as the miraculous healing, just as much. Our physical afflictions exist that we might see God's greatness, both us and the people around us. Jesus will heal everyone who calls on his name. Everyone. Some he will heal now, miraculously, for a short time on this earth. And some he will heal soon, at the end of this life. We know the Bible speaks of the fact that, that all of our physical afflictions are but for this short window that we walk before eternity. It says in Revelation 21, 4 through 5, perhaps one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. And all these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Friends, there's a day that's soon coming in which the sick will pass from this life and immediately be healthy again. And there's a day soon coming in which those whose legs don't work and arms are missing wake up in eternity with perfectly formed limbs. That there's a day soon coming in which the deaf and the mute and the blind wake up to see and hear and speak to Jesus as they're healed on the other side of eternity. Jesus heals everyone who calls on his name. Some he heals here. And some he heals on the other side of eternity, but he heals them all the same. Sometimes we have to put stuff into perspective because I know this is a hard subject to walk in. I've walked through it just in this last year. It was just difficult to walk through a period where we see people struggling and we see their bodies failing. But as those who believe in Jesus, we have to remind ourselves that this is just the warm-up. Have you guys ever been to a symphony or ever listened to a symphony? When you show up, the whole band is there and they're doing their warm-up. And it sounds terrible. Some of the people are doing these progressions and some other people are playing another piece in the song they're trying to remember and someone else is playing another thing to get their hands or their fingers warmed up and it sounds like just this terrible mess, this cacophony of of disorder coming from the stage. And then the director walks out and taps his stick on the edge of the stand and the beautiful symphony begins. Friends, this life is the warm-up. And there can be times at which we ask Jesus, would you take and would you make this warm-up feel better? Would you make this warm-up sound better? And there's sometimes Jesus does. And he heals and he does miracles. There's many times he says, just wait. There's sometimes we get to be the miracle. And the reality is, is I'm telling you, brother or sister, if you're walking in physical pain, if you're walking in, in physical affliction or your family members, or this is part of the pain that you're living in, Jesus might be saying, just wait. The symphony will soon begin. And you'll laugh at thinking about the fact of how you were worried about what the the warm-up sounded like. The beautiful symphony begins. The application I want for you is this. One, I want you to fall in love with Jesus. 
I want you to grab the stories. That's one of the things out of this whole series that I keep saying is what I want more than anything else is that you would grab the books of the Bible and you would say, I need to read this man named Jesus because he's unlike anything I've ever heard before. As we said before, if you leave tonight at guest services, there's always free Bibles there. I want you to stop and get one if you don't have one. If you got one and you lost it and you think, I feel bad, go get another one. If you got two, you lost both of those, go get another one. I will gladly continue to make room in our budget to buy you new Bibles week in and week out. Because I'm telling you, when you start to read those stories of Jesus, they change your life. You start to see those moments and they absolutely change you. And two, is that some of you are dealing with these afflictions in your life. Some of you are walking through them personally or you have family or you have friends. And there's nothing wrong with praying and asking God, God, would you reveal your greatness in this? And that used to be our prayer. God, would you reveal your greatness? That you might do a miracle and we would see it and we would celebrate your greatness or that you would let us be the miracle to walk in strength despite the fact that we might be struggling physically or my family member might be, whatever it may be. And we need to realize the fact that, that like I said, healing it isn't about the person who's being healed. It's about the person who's doing the healing. There's been such bad teaching in regards to healing inside of the church for so long in which people believe it's some sort of weird, super spiritual, scary thing. And it's not. It's not. It's not based on even, even on your goodness. It's not based on any of that. It's based on Christ's goodness. It's based on how talented the healer is. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to finish tonight just, just with this. If there's anybody who's either walking in sickness or pain or, or a health problem, or you have somebody who really, really is, is walking through this and, and you would like to, what I want to do is we're not going to do something super weird or super spiritual I would ask you if, if that's you, would you just stand right now for me? And I want to pray. And if we believe this healer is good, let's pray that he would do something. Anybody. Come on, don't, don't be worrisome. I know there's some of you who have to be here. Just stand up. It's okay. One, two, three. Stand up if it's you. It's okay. Stand up if it's you. It's okay. And this isn't about you. It's about Jesus. I'm not going to call you out and do something weird, but I want us to do is for, for everyone who's standing for you to pray with me as I pray with you, and for all of you who are sitting, who are in a place that you say, I'm not dealing with this in my life, that you would just take one moment just to look around and that you would pray for the person who's closest next to you. You don't need to know their details. You don't need to know their story. But you'd say, God, you're great. You're a great God. Would you reveal your greatness in that person's life, whether it be a healing or giving them the strength to be the miracle, that they would see it or they would be it. And let's just pray together and believe in faith that our God is great and that he will. Pray with me right now. Jesus, I thank you so much for this night and I pray that you would just do miracles in these people's bodies. I ask Jesus Christ that as these people stand, just taking this moment to rise up out of their seat and have confidence to say that, Lord, I need healing. I'm at a place where I have physical affliction or I have somebody who I know who's dealing with physical affliction. Lord, would you reveal your greatness in it? Would you do a miracle that we would get to see? Would you give us the strength and the courage and the confidence to be the miracle in this situation, to walk through it with confidence, with kindness, with love, Jesus, trusting you in it? 
Lord, that I know that every single person who stands, whether they're for themselves or for someone else, that as they trust you with it, that you will heal them. Whether it be here and now, this moment, this day, this next week, or whether it be at the beginning of, of the symphony, the beginning of eternity. Lord, we pray for your greatness over top of these lives. And we trust that you will do miracles that prove your greatness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight. I pray God blesses you, every one of you who stood, who needed something in your life. I ask that God would reveal his greatness in your life. Pray the rest of you would have an amazing, amazing week. Thank you so much for being here.